listen to this with your heart. I know you're you're going to, you know, you've been trained, especially as university people or even people who've gone to any kind of schooling, you've been trained to listen to this with your head. But listen to this with your heart and don't ask, do I agree with this or disagree with this? But ask, how does this relate to my own experience? And Henry was really not interested in people listening to him so much as him providing space for them to listen to God. What is happening, everybody? How are you doing? I hope your week is good. I hope this conversation finds you good. Uh, I have a couple quick requests for you. One of them is new. So yes, there's the obligatory support the show. Check out Patreon. Do the things. Rate and review the show on iTunes or Podbean or Podchaser or anything else with the word pod in it. Do that. I will say uh, there were two reviews just a few weeks ago. One of them had like five or six people four of which I don't think I've ever heard of that I have loved diving into their work and I'm going to try to get them onto the show uh, because the review requested that. And I love new voices. I love new ideas and new thoughts and do that. Uh, Let me know, email me, all that goodness. But, you know, rate and review, support the show, tell your friends, share the podcast, all the things. The show continues to grow and it's because of you that it does But here is my other request. So quickly approaching is episode 100, and I'm going to try to do something different. I won't interview anybody. I want to talk a bit about, you know, the impact that doing this podcast over the last 100 episodes has had on me and my life and my faith and the way that I see and chase and fall more in love with God. But what I'd really like to do as well is answer just some of your questions as well. However you want to send those to me, I will collate them, but shoot me some questions. Um, And I know that a few of you have them because I get the emails and I love responding to those. But I would love to do some of that in a more public forum. So send me your questions. If you don't want your name read, tell me and I'll make sure that I either change it or what is called everybody anonymous. But open request, send me what you want to know. Um, I am looking forward to doing what I think will be the second solo episode, uh, besides the few brief updates and the very, very first episode. I'm excited to do it, and I'm also terrified. But let's do it. Why not? The topic today is what does it mean to follow Jesus in an age that everybody's anxious, like what does that look like? What does the return and the going look like? What does Jesus call us to be? Why does it matter? How do I not get anxious about it? How do I deal with trauma? Like so much, so much here. And so I was able to sit down uh, electronically because the guest was in Canada with Gabrielle Earnshaw, who is the editor of uh, quite a bit of the life and work of Henry Nouwen. And if you don't know who Henry Nouwen is, you just need to hit pause right now and Google that. The man has impacted so many lives, mine among them. And so he has a book that is out. If it's not out today, it's out like tomorrow called Following Jesus. It's a beautiful read. It's a simple read, but it is deeply profound. And those are my favorites, the ones that are written in a way that everyone can understand and things bleed through and seep in that you weren't expecting. I really hope that you get as much out of this as I did. And um, I would highly encourage you. I don't usually do this before we even get into the topic. Uh, go out and get this book. Following Jesus is fantastic. It is, it's, it's been a blessing to read. So here we go. A conversation with Gabrielle Earnshaw on some of the work of Henry Nouwen. 
Gabrielle Runshaw. I am excited uh, to be talking with you. And like we talked about a moment ago, slightly nervous to be talking with you because normally the author in question is not posthumous. And so uh, that's that's always fun. But um, thank you, either you or, or whomever at your publishers uh, or the people that publish the book uh, for sending me an advanced copy. I've loved digging in uh, to following Jesus from Henry Nouwen, but we will get there. Can you tell me kind of a bit about you? What makes you tick and kind of how you got into this? <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, well, I live in Toronto, Canada, and I, I guess, began my work with Henry Nouwen as as his archivist. I was asked in the year 2000, so it's uh, now 19 years ago, I was asked to start his archives. His papers, some of his papers had been at Yale University, where he taught, and then other papers of his were at Large Daybreak, where he lived for the last 10 years of his life, which is close to Toronto. It's a community for people with intellectual disabilities that he Mm. was the pastor for. And I was called in to create an archives for him, and I worked on that for 16 years, and um, including doing, it took me 10 years to work through his correspondence alone. Um, He has 16,000 incoming letters that he kept. And then we also instigated a program to collect letters that he wrote to people that they would still have. And so we collected those letters. So that's the type of thing that I've been doing. I did an oral history project on him. So I've become a person who knows a lot about his archives. I know a lot about his um, his family because I've I actually was uh, spent a sabbatical in Holland where he's from, and I lived in his former in his father's and mother's house. They're no longer alive, but his younger brother um, owned the house at the time. And my husband and I lived in it for three months and really, you know, um, immersed ourselves in Henry Nouwen and his home country. What did you do before that? Because, well... Oh, before that. Yeah. And then (laughs) what the heck is an archivist? Like, so I hear that Uh, and I think someone that's just printing everything. How does that work? Okay, so in answer to your first question, I, I, I sort of had a classic middle middle class uh, childhood in Toronto. I wasn't raised in any um, religion, which might surprise people, because um, now I am, you know, immersed immersed in Christianity. But I, I was raised in a very secular household, and um, but what might be a little bit different than other people is that um, when I was younger, I started taking myself to church. And that is, uh, that sort of, I think, set me on my path, really. I started going to United Church of Canada, and the minister was very, uh, a wonderful person, and I loved playing the recorder, and I loved singing, and and I guess the the church, even though my family wasn't attending, it became a, a place that I really looked forward to going to every Sunday, and so church and religion generally what w- is um, a very it's a very meaningful and church is a place where I where I feel like I belong. Um, so that's a, an interesting aspect of me, I think that I and my family still is very secular <laughs> and um and i i attend the united church now to this day um and then what was your second question what is an archivist yeah um an archivist is somebody who cares for the 
records of either a person or an organization, like a government or um, a bank or something like that. I I ended up working for on papers related to individuals. So papers can include, even though we say papers or records, we are referring to everything like photographs and video recordings and administrative files and computer files and, uh, you know, correspondence and draft man- manuscripts and everything you can think of that a person's life, all of the records that a person needs to to participate in life. And so when Henry Nowen died, he had he had kept almost all of his records. I I like to say that he was he was his own best archivist. All I needed to do was just make sure that nothing nothing got lost or misplaced after he died because he he kept absolutely everything. He was very fastidious with his filing. And so my job as an archivist was to create finding guides or or ways that that scholars or other researchers could use the material um, either for their own research for a PhD or a master's thesis, but it could also be for um, journalists or just regular people who who were interested. I I knew I had people who came in and tried to, who looked at at letters, for example, on on how he counseled people who got divorced. You know that kind of thing. So the the records are there for everyone to use. And my job for 16 years was to catalog them and make them available to people and make them findable. Hmm. And so you say that was your job. Is that is that that's not ongoing anymore? Is like is it complete? Like we have all of the things or you're no, just, I, I can't to, do this anymore. I can't, I've done oh enough, no. I'm done. <laughs> no, I just came to a crossroads in in my work with that, um, with the archives. The archives is is very much alive and, and well, and people um, can go to use it at any time. It's at the University of St. Michael's College at U of T in Toronto. Um, but I, I think what happened to me was I was asked to edit um, a book of Henry's letters. And, um, and I did that. It took me about a year to do. And by the time I finished, so I took some time off from the, the work as an archivist. And I, I guess I got hooked on that. And I've been doing editing books by or about Henry Nowen since. And, and that's been about three years that I've been doing that. That book that you referenced, is that the one that I'm holding? Is that the book Following Jesus? Or is that a different book? No, no, it's actually called Love Henry. Uh, Letters on the Spiritual Life, and it was published in 2016. Um, it's a, I, I, I don't think I'm wrong to say it's a very beautiful book. What I did is I, I found all the letters that I felt of the, we collected about 5,000 letters. Of those letters, I, I selected letters that I thought would speak most clearly to people's needs today. So I tried to, I tried to really think about what it is that the 21st century Christian or the 21st century seeker needed to hear. And, and Henry's, Henry was a very, very generous uh, letter writer. He was um, a prolific letter writer. And he wrote to his good friends, as you might expect, but he also wrote extensively and beautifully to people who wrote to him with a question or a problem. So a lot of the letters read like spiritual direction. Mm. So that's why they, they really, I feel like a person reading them today could feel as though he's writing to them. Yeah. So that's that book. And then I edited a book of a devotional. So I went through every, uh, Henry Allen wrote 39 books and I went through 
each of them in chronological order and selected the what I felt were the the gemstones in each of the books, which was quite difficult. I ended up with a 600-page document for that one. <laughs> and I had to whittle that down to, to, to of course, 365 days so or 66 days. So I... I um, that that book came out last year and then now this is the latest one following jesus which is quite different because following jesus is based on talks that henry did in 1985 so my work as editor was to was to take something that was spoken over over six over a six week period one one night a week for six weeks in 198 in march of 1985 and 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 turn it into something that people could read without losing the Henry's Henry's enthusiasm and his and his the immediacy of what it would have been like to have been a person sitting in the pews he gave it at, he gave his talks in a church at at Harvard and so I tried to retain his voice as much as possible that even the the excited voice that he has sometimes when he wants to really connect with people but also make it so that it's you know sort of not repetitive or um you know make it more readable yeah so that was my task that I was given um about a year ago now and now it's the exciting moment when the book is is going to be read by other people I've well, I've again, I've very much enjoyed reading it. One of my favorite, and I don't know if this was done; it had to have been done by someone that does work like what you do. And to be honest, before you'd said you were an archivist, like I didn't know that that was a job that exists. Although in hindsight, oh. it must—I mean, it makes sense that it does exist. Um, but I, it had just never—I'd never thought it, it had never occurred to me. But one of my favorite yeah. books, I bought it at a used bookstore across from where I work, and it is uh, the second volume of a bunch of letters of C.S. Lewis. And when I bought it, I thought it was going to be theological letters. And some of them are, but by some, I mean a minute amount. It is mostly letters to like professors and a conversation about the wars and politics Uh, and economics. uh, And that man is just brilliant. Like I'm reading it and I'm like, this isn't what I thought it would be. I was really hoping (laughs) for some theology, but this is really good. And I mean, it's just just nice to see uh, a candid side of people that are yeah. uh, less edited, if not unedited. You know, I really enjoy that. Yes, and that that was the same um, goal for the for the letters book as well was to sort of allow people into into Henry's life a little bit more. And I organized it chronologically so that you could see his his um, development and his even his transformation. I I think that it's for somebody who was writing about spiritual transformation that the fact that he actually underwent one and that it's actually documentable, it's a gift actually. And, and, and I didn't know that it would, when I started out with that book, I I did not know that I would end up with this portrait of a man transformed Mm -hmm. by his faith. And, and that, and that, that is what, you know, makes Henry Nouwen somebody who a lot of people can relate to because they're also struggling in their faith and in their, in their, you know, in in following Jesus to get to get to our book that we're mm-hmm. talking to tonight, and he he did as well. Um, and then he would write about it with with a lot of raw honesty, and a lot of people can can relate to it and then feel freer to to struggle themselves in a in a way that is transformative. Just from the opening missive, and if it's all right, there's a part like right at the beginning 
Uh, and yeah. so I want to talk a bit about kind of that transformation, but just kind of maybe some of your thoughts as well on the first chapter there. I believe the first chapter. Yeah, chapter yeah. one is the invitation. And there's a part where there's just all these quotes of uh, what Jesus doesn't say, which I've never really heard um, put that do know, way. Do you know what page? Uh, 17. What page? 17. Uh, second and a half paragraph. Okay. Oh, Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you yeah. know, everyone says, and you hear it every Sunday or, or many Sundays. You know, yeah. Jesus says, come and see, you know, come on with me, you know, uh, yeah. you know, leave your family, put the nets down. Let's go do this thing. Uh, but, yeah. but you, yeah. you know, you, you, Henry's here saying, you know, but here's what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, yeah. come on and I'll change you. He doesn't say, become my disciples. <laughs> Listen to me. He doesn't say, yeah. to do what I tell you. Yeah. And, you know, no, he says, just come yeah. around, look around and get to know yeah. me. Like that's the yeah. invitation. Get to know me. I'm curious, and so you talk about Henry, you know, transforming throughout these talks. Mm-hmm. Can you mm-hmm. break that apart a bit with just some of what you know of it, of here's what we're getting at when we're inverting that question of here's what everybody knows Jesus said, but it's more important to talk about what he didn't say. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's one of the beauties of this book, and that's why um, a lot of people felt it was a it was something that needed to happen, and that's why they asked me to do it. And I think it's because he... I could have called this book, and I, in fact, I probably even put it forward as an idea, like, let's call this book Following Jesus. It's not what you think. <laughs> because um, I think in a way, Henry Henry certainly did not have um, a confrontational style in the least. His his it, he, he refers to Jesus as very invitational. I, I think of Henry as very invitational. He has no desire to force anyone to believe anything he's saying. He in fact, if uh, the more you read of him, or and and I've listened to a lot of his talks, he's often saying, "Listen to this with your heart." I know you're you're going to you know you've been trained, especially as university people or even people who've gone to any kind of schooling, you've been trained to listen to this with your head, but listen to this with your heart and don't ask, "Do I agree with this or disagree with this?" But ask, "How does this relate to my own experience?" And Henry was really not interested in people listening to him so much as him providing space for them to listen to God. That was his whole, that was, he, he had a a personal transformation, but as far as I've been able to see, he started off with that. He started off as a very young priest, even in his earliest works, um, in his earliest letters, he had that kind of it was like I am. I am a witness. I'm telling you what I have experienced. Now tell me what you've experienced. And I think if you've read some more of that book, um, you'll see that he he's often telling the reader to don't just take my word for it. Think about this for yourself. Test this out in your own life. Listen. Listen to what your own life is telling you, and then and then relate it back to what I'm saying, and and see if it rings any bells. Yeah. Um, I but wanna, I go go yeah. ahead go ahead. Well, I wanted to just just reflect on this. Um, what Henry says that you know Jesus, when at the very first his very first sort of in the in the first chapter he's talking about how is it that Jesus introduces himself to people? He does it in a very gentle way, and he does it in a way that where the people that he is speaking to. In this case, it's John and Andrew. They ask the questions, and he answers them in in a very in a very um, like he's not 
he has no expectations. He has no, uh, Jesus has no almost mandate. He, he's, he's just saying, come and see. You, you, are you interested in me? Come and see. And then he says, dwell with me. And Henry focuses on this passage in the Bible because it, he, wants to, he wants to suggest that there is an invitational quality to following Jesus. There is, there is nothing about following Jesus that is mandatory or, or uh, should, feel, should feel constrictive in any way. We follow, he, Henry will go on to say, we follow out of love, not out of fear. Mm. We don't follow Jesus to, 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 you know, to be like him. We follow Jesus to follow our unique vocation. We each have our own unique vocation. Jesus had his unique vocation, and we have our unique vocation. And a word that comes to mind frequently for me around Henry Nouwen is freedom. And there's this there's a freedom in in how he writes, and it's very invitational. It's very open. It creates space. But he's also aiming for freedom. So freedom, freedom to be loving people. One of the, the main trajectories of that, uh, maybe that you also got out of the book, is that there's this trajectory of how can I be a more loving person? What's constricting me? What's, what's holding me back? And then he goes, he goes even further, as you, as you, as you might know, he, he talks about, he talks about loving our enemies. Mm -hmm. He, he says that this is the, this is the one place that Jesus was that the New Testament is actually new, and I really loved that. This is where Jesus is saying, love your enemies. And I think that, obviously, this is the most challenging aspect of being a follower of Jesus. Being, being a Christian is to, to really deeply absorb that, that, I don't want to say commandment, but, it's, it, but, it's, uh, but that invitation, I guess, let's call it an invitation to love our enemies. Yeah. And I feel like this book is like a treatise on love, in fact, because he does talk about love, you know, between between people, in, in marriages, in relationships, in families, and then with our colleagues. And, and he talks about sort of human love, and he calls it transactional. We have a, we have a, we have a transactional way of viewing love. Like we say, well, I'll love you if you love me. You know, mm -hmm. I'll give you this if you give me that. Our, our, that just sort of seems to be baked into us. We have that sort of in our DNA. But he's saying, but as followers of Jesus, we have to love out of God's love. And that how can we do that? We do that by knowing, knowing in our deepest being that we are beloved by God, yeah. that we are the beloved sons and daughters of God. So it's a, it's a very, um, I, I think that there's, there's challenge in this book, but there's also, uh, I feel like he, he lays out, he lays out a path that, that makes it easier to follow somehow after reading it, the path of being a follower of Jesus. So I've got it highlighted here. I wanted to make sure I went over it tonight, but you just touched on it briefly there. Uh, when we talk about love and the gospel and loving your enemies, and I think you're right, and, and you touch on it, I think it's in a prior chapter um, on uh, on scarcity. Like, you know, we're so afraid oh, yeah. that for some reason, like there's like somehow the economy at a cosmic with a K, mm -hmm. like Greek mm -hmm. cosmic, is yeah. somehow we're going to run out of compassion yeah. or love or yeah. grace or mercy. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and that's only going to be filled with fear and rage and anger. Uh, but then you also, yeah. you know, here on page 63, it says, you know, the good news of the gospel is that God has no enemies. The gospel tells us that God uh-huh. loves every human being the yeah. same way with the same mm-hmm. intensive love or with the same, yeah. yeah, intensive love. And I like that, like the, an economy yeah. of scarcity, like there is not an economy of scale. And I love <laughs> yeah. talking about that because economics is like, I literally work at a bank for a living. So economics okay. is my jam. And when yeah. I read that, I'm like, yes. Um, and the transactional quid pro quo, uh, Diana Bass wrote a great book last year on gratitude about all yes, the quid yeah. pro quo uh-huh. and transactional based stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, I absolutely love that. I want to touch back on dwell. Can I can I yeah. just make one one comment on that? Like yes. one thing that I loved um, that relates to that is that he called it the logic of God. You know, and we are such rational, logical people. I, I I mean, this is this is how we're you know this is how we're trained from you know going to kindergarten all the way up. We we're trained to use our intellect to to use our co- our cognitive function and to to be extremely logical and radical, uh, rational and and henry points out that actually god has there's no logic to god it's complete illogic and that i again i find that very freeing because then you can start to see that all around you instead of looking for how things are you know falling into place and and you know things like well there should be a lack of food because we have you know you know, X, Y, Z, but then you can start seeing, well, actually, where am I seeing abundance? Mm -hmm. And and in fact, I'm, and then you start looking for abundance. When you, when you hear that there is this illogic to God, you start looking for abundance and you see it all around you. When I read those stories of abundance of towards the beginning, like, you know, there's, there's too many bread, there's too much fish, there's, there's too many fish in the net, everything. There's just, just go give give it away to the multitudes. But I read it. And for some reason, in the back of my mind, I read it in a playfulness. Like not only is there so many fish and you're just yeah. missing the point, like there's a silly amount of fish. Like yeah. it's just ridiculous. <laughs> like, I know you don't believe me, but if you'll look down there, you can't yeah. even count them. Because there's just yeah. a silly amount of fish. I want to so dwell, and I want to broach two parts together. Because uh, in my mind, mm-hmm. I feel like they are. So there's a part here um, where it says, "Gosh, where is it? I got it. Here it is." You know, like a child dwells in the house with her mother and father. Just dwell, play around, sit there a half hour. Sit, just sit there, yeah. just be present. But that yeah. juxtaposes for me towards the tell in there, um, where we talk about being present. And then uh, there's a part that says, you know, we grow more intimate by constant leaving and returning. And then he says, you know, I want us to feel that for a moment because that's how we might come in touch with the mystery of spiritual life. And so how do those two, you think, maybe interplay (laughs) together of dwelling, but also leaving and going? Because they they don't seem to make sense together, but read separately, they do. But I feel like they're so deeply connected. Okay, well, I think first of all, in a way, you know, we did have a subtitle, we have the subtitle of the book, it's Finding Our Way Home in an Age of Anxiety. And I think home is a is a major theme of this book. What does home mean? And and I think what we're talking about mostly here is our spiritual home. And and Henry is is I think very emphatic that we begin to really trust that our home is in God and with God. 
and that we live our lives, we do the return, the leaving and the returning in, 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 in the world, knowing that we are always within the home of God. So there's a, a leaving and a returning, which is an important part of spiritual maturity and even just maturity through, through life. But I think in this way, as followers of Jesus, in the Christian context, it means to be home even while you're on the road. Does that make sense? In fact, I think he even says that, that we, that we can be home even while we're on the road. And what he means is that we are so deeply steeped in our, in our identity as a child of God that we can go and come and we can, we can, we can suffer and we can um, struggle but at all times, we are in the home and in the embrace and in the safety of God. Mm. Um, the other thing I think he means about dwelling, and it's really important, is that none of this can happen without spiritual disciplines. We cannot retain that identification as children of God without constant prayer, without a constant conversation with God and and so when he's talking about dwelling he in sometimes he's talking about it in a more of a in that more metaphysical sense but sometimes he's actually just talking about take 15 minutes out of your day and dwell sit still sit in silence be in solitude and sit with god be with god and even sometimes he's some in those cases you don't even have a conversation with God at that point. This is this is really where you're sitting in silence. I I like to think of it like I'm crawling into the lap of God and and that I am sitting there and you know like a child with a parent doesn't you don't need to say anything at that point, right? You don't mm. <laughs> there's no mm. need to fill the space with with language mm-hmm. or with words. And I think that for Henry now and it's of primal importance to have time in our day that is completely set aside for creating space for God. That that is a is a very constant theme in all of his books and all of his writing and all of his talks, um, because it was very important for him. He was a really restless person. He was restless. He he kind of, even like if you met him, you you could see that he had a kind of nervous energy. I never I never met him, um, but I've heard this from many many people. So he you know. Any images of him being very, you know, sort of calm, <laughs> calm and, and, you know, in, in a meditative state at all times is completely not um, a good <laughs> image of him. He was he was he ran around a lot. He left a lot. He did a lot of leaving. He he tr- he was in a very he was in a huge search for how to follow Jesus and um, this question of the discernment of how do I follow Jesus? Where do I follow Jesus? Was his was his main question. And this led to him being quite restless and moving around a lot, and then consequently also being very lonely and having bouts of depression. He really did struggle a lot, but a lot of his wisdom comes from that struggle. And I think a lot of his authenticity and the reason why I can trust him as a reliable guide, as a trustworthy guide for my own spiritual life, is because he was he was struggling with all of these things. He had something in his core that he was always listening to the voice of God, always in conversation with Jesus, always in prayer. 
and so he he was a catholic priest so of course he was this was his vocation this was this was his you know this is his formation but but still i think even people like me um can can identify with with him you had a metaphor there of you know like a child crawling up into my lap which i have two young mm. girls and a young son mm. and that's one yeah. like literally that happened tonight like my daughter um, and this is probably inappropriate, but whatever. Like I go to her bedroom, she just taken a bath. She's four and yeah. she's playing a game. Like I'm not going to put on my underwear. You're going to put on my underwear. And then she just <laughs> keeps collapsing in me. She's yeah. buck naked. And she's like, we're going to do lotion. I'm like, no, you're going to put on your underwear. Cause I'm a little bit uncomfortable at the moment. I'm going to need you to put on something little baby girl. But then she just cuddles. Yeah. And I love yeah. it and I love it. But yeah. I know, I know, and I get emails and uh, messages that that is not the case. Like some people are rejected and that is hard, yeah. hard to yeah. envision that type of yeah. love. So what do you think, what, yeah. what would, because Henry dealt with that. So for those yeah. that are reading this or dealing with other texts, like how would you mm-hmm. recenter that of, you know, this rejection is real and that trauma is real yeah. And here's how we can pivot on that to something way more beautiful. Uh, um, you're absolutely right. This was self-rejection was was Henry's. Uh, he he for for whatever reason he dealt with that his whole life because in fact he wasn't rejected by his parents. He had he had loving, stable parents. But he they tell uh, they tell the story that from a very young age he he would he would relentlessly ask the question, "Do you love me? Do you love me? Mm. Do you love me?" And no, no answer was good enough for him. And this actually plagued him his entire life. I don't think he actually ever had that go away. But I think when I talk about his transformation, it's that he was able to live with that struggle and love in spite of it and be free in spite of it. And I think it's really important. I don't think that it's for Henry at least, and possibly for us as well, it's not necessary to to be completely fixed, right? We don't need to be completely healed. We don't need, this is, we can, we can live with our suffering. We can live with our struggles and still have lives of, of freedom and integrity and, and be, and be fully loving people and be loved. Um, and I think, I think that that is what he, he would say, say to that but i know that he would if he heard someone speak about about terrible rejection um in the form of abuse or 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 in that manner of of um rejection i think he would he would be in tears with you and i think that he would he would cry with you and i think that that the the compassion that he would feel for you or for anyone who ha- is going through that, it would that is that would be coming from his own wound, right? His his own wound that he that he was somehow able at at a certain point in his life to bind up. It, he didn't it, it didn't go away, but he was able to bind it up, and from that wound, he was able to be compassionate to other people. Yeah, and and I think that I think that a life of compassion is a life worth living. And I think a lot of people are asking, you know, what, what is the meaning of life? What's the, what's the point of all of this? And at at a certain point in the book, you might remember Henry says, you know, the answer is 
if we follow Jesus, it's now, now I know why I'm living. Like there's a, there's a kind of, it can totally reshape our lives. Following Jesus, there's many components to it, but one of them is becoming a very compassionate person is, is, is being able to suffer with other people and to, and to not run away from it and to, to stand tall in it and stand tall in our own suffering. Yeah. And I think that that's what he's talking about when one of his chapters is called the cost. You know, we, we have to we have to hold our own crosses and we have to bear our own crosses. But I think that there is a there's almost a beauty in that. If, you know, you were saying, how can we how can we see it in a more beautiful light? But I, I also don't want to say that this is easy. And I don't think Henry Nouwen would say it's easy at all. I think it's a life a lifelong journey to it. And 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 as I say, Henry Nouwen didn't, you know, he died at 64 of a heart attack suddenly, but he wasn't a, you know, he wasn't a, a he was still struggling. If you read his last journal, he he was still struggling with all of his, with everything he, you could read in the in his first journals, but he was living it in a different way. And that's, that's where possibly the hope is, is that we can live our struggles in a different way. We can live our suffering in a different way. We don't need to lash out at people because we're suffering. We can be more compassionate with people because we're suffering. Yeah. I think that might be why, how he would answer it. So if we're following Jesus and I don't <laughs> even remember what page it was because I didn't highlight it, but there is okay. a part in there where he talks about, you know, Jesus is giving people new names. And so when I think about me following Jesus, like it's really one of the thoughts that I had was, you know, so what is my new name? Like if I'm following Jesus and I'm trying to yeah, be authentic yeah. and genuine, like what is that? And I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> and I don't really need to no. have an answer to that today. Yeah. I don't. I do care, but I think that it's a great call to action of what what am I being called to and what does that look yeah. like? What is that name, yeah. that beloved name? What does that look like? One of my favorite pages uh, pages of the entire book, Gabrielle, is page 55, um, where mm-hmm. there is a conversation on the first love. Um, yeah. like I literally mm-hmm. just want to frame the whole page. Like that top paragraph, <laughs> oh, like, know. you know, it's, I've loved you before you could love anyone. <laughs> like, bef- yeah. I loved you. So, they're, they're just, oh, it's so beautiful. So, so beautiful. Yeah. I love the original love is the original blessing. Long yeah. before we talk about original sin or original rejection, we should be speaking of God's original love. Yeah. And I think that is so true because we focus so much on sin and how we, we have to constantly be making up for this sin in some manner and and henry is saying that is not let's put our gaze on something else henry henry now does that a lot he'll say yes of course we could put our focus on there but actually let's shift our focus and put it on something else and this in this case he's saying let's gaze on this the original love god loved us with a god loves us not loved us loves us with the first love and when I was talking about love before, I was talking about human love as transactional, and he calls mm-hmm. that the second love. And so the first love is to love as God loves us. Yeah. And we can only do that when we feel in our very bones that we are God's beloved children and that God loved us before we could love anyone or before we could re- could receive love from anyone. Yeah, he's Henry Nouwen does a beautiful job. I think I think of this book um, as a portrait of God in a sense too, mm-hmm. and it's a portrait of God that some people might not recognize because God is so is so gentle, is so affirming and welcoming, and and as he says, he's like a God. I God, he doesn't actually refer to God as male or female, but he says God God is home. God is 
you know, God is our refuge. God is our dwelling place. And if we could really feel that, I think life would change for us. Yeah, I agree. I want to pivot if you're comfortable. So you talked at the very beginning about, you know, your family upbringing and then just kind of how, you know, you're, you're, I, I assume Christian. I, I can't remember if you say Christian or not. I'll have to go back yeah, in and re-listen. Yeah. So how has diving into all of this stuff on now, and not this this book, but so many things, how has that mm-hmm. changed the way that you do uh, faith? And I don't want to say religion, because religion is not a big enough word, uh, at least for yeah. the God that I worship. So how yeah. has all of this changed you? Wow. Um, <laughs> changed me. <laughs> Well, obviously, I was already primed for some sort of, I think I was asking from a very early age, what does this all mean? You know, what, what, why are we here? Who am I? Those, those types of questions, I think. And I was in a house that wasn't asking those questions. Like my, I came from a loving house, but I, but it, people weren't asking, my family weren't asking those deeper questions. I experienced a lot of death in my life. Um, my father died um, when I was two, and my best friend died when I was 16. I, I, I have experienced a lot of death in my life, and so I think I've been, these, these types of questions have had a lot of urgency for me, and, I, and I, was, I have always been a seeker looking for answers. So I've explored all the different religions. I've, I've read a lot of different um, spiritual writers. And then by grace, by grace, I was chosen to be Henry Nouwen's archivist, but not because, not because I knew anything about Henry Nouwen, because I didn't. I had never heard of him. Mm. But because I, I was the right person for the job from a professional standpoint. And so to be, I see my, when I, when I accepted that position and, and believe it or not, it was a six month contract. It was really (laughs) not, um, (laughs) didn't, didn't look so great on, uh, you know, at first it was just going to be a six month contract. I would come in or catalog the papers and then, then leave. But somehow I think that this was, this was just the beginning for me um, because then I was able to, it was like I became an apprentice of Henry Nouwen. Mm. And then my uh, son died when I, when he was four and a half. And that's, this is now going on to 10 years ago. And my son died uh, of acute myeloid leukemia. It was, a, it was, it was every, you know, every uh, bit as, traumatic and catastrophic as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And that's really when my, all of that reading, all of that digesting of Henry Nouwen really helped me survive. It, 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 it was like, it was like everything I had read was now coming in, <laughs> was, I was now living and I had, I had to make sense of my son's illness and then consequent death. Um, I had to, uh, his his writing on grieving, on on sort of the on how on how to live with that level of suffering. These are the way. This is you know I've I feel like I couldn't have lived that experience the way I did without him. Mm. So it's quite profound, actually. His yeah. his the impact of him on my life. But it's not just that. It's also about how I orient myself. You know, what's important to me? 
is it is it important to earn a lot of money is it important to have a lot of prestige is it is it important that i you know look successful in the world's eyes um i think my son's death really changed my world view as well but but henry nowen's questioning of that has also had an impact on my life so the decisions i make about how i'm going to spend my time have been impacted by him and i think also that i have uh, a spiritual practice that that i i believe in you know he he writes about it with such eloquence that i that i believe it and i and i have implemented it and i and i and i live that so it's it his it's 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 hard to actually articulate how mm. profound the impact of it, of him on my life has been and and the kind of the mystery of it because yeah. because as i say i i wasn't raised in in a religious household i i i don't have a theology degree i you know i go to a very progressive united church i but here we are i'm uh the person who who is now quite quite familiar with henry now thank you for sharing that that's i know i didn't send you questions ahead of time and so that probably caught you off guard but thank you that's um, yeah, so so children that, that pass away from cancer are so in my family, my wife uh, takes care of a lot of children with cancer. Oh. That's that's her specialty. Oh so wow, pediatric wow. oncology, hematology, well, infusion. Yeah, so those are special people. I uh, I don't know how her and um, those other carrier. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they, I, I don't the the part of the body that makes that happen. I don't possess it. I, I don't think I don't. <laughs> I can't do it. I don't. I don't. I'm glad yeah. someone can. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah, they they leave me entirely speechless. But thank you for sharing that. Sure, and I I could say to that that Henry Nowen would say, as you've read in the book, that every person has their own unique vocation, mm. and so to follow Jesus doesn't mean that we you know imitate him, like I mentioned earlier on. It means that we find our own our own vocation. And and it might mean that, you know, some people are meant for a quiet, contemplative life. Some people, you know, they express their love of God by by doing social justice work. Some people express their love of God and, and their and and their discipleship to Jesus by by being a really good dad. You know, there's so every person who's a follower of Jesus is unique and he you know, he calls us all a you know, a mosaic and all together we we become the face of God. Mm-hmm. So if you put all of us individuals, every human being on, on the planet doing the, you know, following their, their vocation, their call, listening to God and following their call, each of us becomes the face of God, but none of us can do it alone. And none of us, we don't need a whole you know, we, we need lots of people helping children with cancer, but we also need a lot of people doing other things. Yeah. And, uh, and I think Henry would, Henry's quite impassioned about that is that we don't, we don't, there's no one way of following Jesus. Where do people, where do they get the book? So it's out, when is it? September 17th, something like that. 17th, 18th, that's right. Yeah. Um, yep. so it's, it, it's everywhere, I assume, correct? Everywhere that you yes, can buy books. Right. Um, yes. Yeah. For, this probably is the book I've read most often this year since I've gotten it because it's easy to read. It's it's not long. Yeah. Like, it's not long. It's yeah. just very easy to yeah. read. Um, and it is uh, oddly addictive. Like I I just want to come back to it. It's 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 written yeah. in a way that I like it. But where can people go to learn more about work like this? Like, is there a place that I can listen to the talks that this book comes from? Is that a thing that exists, well, or do I have to come to Canada to do so? 
Okay. So um, there is a Henry Nouwen Society, and and that's easy also to find with Google. Um, you just key in Henry Nouwen Society, and that will come up. And it's kind of like the, the hub of all things Henry Nouwen. And it uh, it will list all of his books and, and, you know, some information about more generally and upcoming events, that kind of thing. Um, if a person wants to really delve into into archival material, they should go to the Henry Nouwen archives at the University of St. Michael's College. Mm-hmm. And they can they don't have to go there physically. They can um, work with the archivist there electronically. Some the talks are actually available through the archives. So you could listen to them um, online through mm-hmm. the archives. You'd ha- they're not freely available. You have to go through them, but they are available. Nice. And uh, and many other talks uh, like it. Perfect. I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna make that happen. That's the personality yeah. I'm. I like to rip these things apart. So I'm yeah I'm, I'm making that happen. So <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think I happen to know a person that knows who the new archivist is. Um, and so I oh. I may collect it. I think it's you, but I might be wrong. <laughs> 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 I may get the best contact for that. Anyway, Gabrielle, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Okay. I've, I've enjoyed the conversation. Well, I appreciate being invited and, and you taking the chance and inviting the editor of a posthumous work. That was uh, a big risk, and I hope it was worth it. No, I enjoyed it. I, yeah, very much so. So thank you so much. So when I think about this work put together by Gabrielle from some of the lectures of Henry Nouwen, you know, from the 80s, it's amazing how much of it is relevant now as it was then. And I find so much graciousness in that. The fact that the words and lessons that we can learn from Christ supersede every single time and place and dimension of reality that we hold true. There's something about the way that we are called, the way that there's purpose, the way that fear and hope are intertwined. You were blessed, you were wholly loved, and you've always been accepted. I'll talk with you next week.